The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. Growing up in the Methodist Church, I didn't have much appreciation for All Saints and All Saints Sunday. It was just not something that we observed. And then as I started to the process toward becoming an Episcopalian when I was in college, uh, someone gave me a 1928 prayer book. That was the prayer book we were using at the time. I'm really aging myself. And inside that prayer book was a sketch of a priest kneeling before an east-facing altar. And all around that priest, over above the priest's head, and above that altar were clouds and clouds of witnesses. Many, many people praying as he was praying. And I think that that's an image for us on this All Saints Sunday. Not just the priest, but every one of us as we pray. There is a cloud of witnesses that are praying all around us. And that is what we celebrate this day. The gospel that we just heard, I think, is particularly appropriate for All Saints Sunday. And I think you probably know the story pretty well, but I'm going to go through it to open it up for us, I hope, in a way that will help us connect with how that might make a difference, that story, make a difference in our lives today. Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, had died, and they had sent for him, but he didn't come for four days. And some believe that the soul would 
uh, be around the body for at least three days. So it's possible that the gospel writer and maybe it's possible that Jesus waited that time in order to make it absolutely clear that Jesus was dead, definitely dead. And we know later in the story they were concerned even about opening the tomb because of the stench. So it's clear that they wanted to make it very obvious that this man was truly dead. When Jesus arrives, Mary rushes to him and she falls to his feet and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many times have we cried out just like that? If only you had been here, Lord, if only you had healed her, Lord. If only we know the deep longing for the touching healing of our Christ, but we also know that it sometimes doesn't happen, or at least it doesn't happen the way we would want it to happen. Well, the mourners are there with Mary and with Jesus, and suddenly Jesus is overcome by grief. And I know many of you have had that experience of a wave of grief suddenly just washing over you. And Jesus begins to weep and all around him know how deeply he loved Lazarus. Then finally, they ask him if he would come to the tomb with them. And when they arrived there, Jesus asked them to open it. They delayed. They weren't quite ready to do that. They were afraid of what they would find. It would be so offensive. But then finally, they responded and opened the tomb for him. And. The amazing thing I think about this moment in front of the tomb is that Jesus does, I think, a very strange thing. He doesn't pray that Lazarus will come out. He doesn't pray to God that God will resuscitate Lazarus, but rather he simply gives thanks. He gives thanks to God for what God has already done. I think it's very possible that Lazarus, that Jesus had been praying for Lazarus day after day as he was thinking about the death of Lazarus and before he came to them. Yesterday, uh, Bishop Tom Shaw uh, gave us a wonderful meditation on prayer. And it was uh, particularly powerful, I thought, because he told about a group of men that he meets with, uh, laymen, about once a month. And they come together to share their lives, to talk about what's going on in their life, to pray together there. He said, though, that one time they, they gathered, one of the men said, you know, I really don't pray. And then as they talked on, others said, I don't pray either. And pretty soon, each one of the men said, I don't pray. And then Bishop Tom said, but you do pray. You just don't realize it. You don't set aside 30 minutes in the morning like we monks do, he said. Meditating on the on the gospel, meditating on some piece of scripture or on the psalm. But he said, I would be willing to wager that throughout the day, day in and day out, hour after hour, you are praying. You are having a conversation with God about what's happening in your home life, what's happening between you and your spouse, what's happening with your children, what's happening as you go through your day. And you confront all the difficulties of the working life. He said, you're praying. You're praying every day. That's a message for us. We pray every day. I would be willing to bet that every one of you 
is in prayer, in conversation with God throughout the day. I think it's an important thing for us to remember. And I think it's also important for us to see that that was probably an aspect of Jesus' prayer life as well. Not just going off alone at night to pray, but praying constantly throughout the day. Well, as I think about this account of the raising of Lazarus, and it's important to remember, this is not a resurrection. He doesn't have a different body. He's not been transformed. Lazarus will die. And I've often wondered, you know, was this a good deal for Lazarus or not? (laughs) Most of us only have to die once. He had to die twice. But as I think about the story, I'm taken back to an earlier part in it where Mary comes to Jesus and she says, where were you when we needed you? Where were you? And the truth is that Jesus was there weeping with you. Jesus was there present with you in your darkest moment, in the darkest hour. He was there in a nurse that was comforting you. He was there in a doctor who was professional and persistent, dedicated to care for you. And perhaps what's most important, he was there in the friends who came to you when you most needed them and you knew they'd be there. Jesus was there, present with us. And we are never, ever left alone. And I believe that that is the one great promise that we can take from the God that we worship is that we are never alone, not even in death. And so those loved ones that we remember today, they too are not alone. Today we celebrate the saints of God, and we remember those who are gone that went before us, whom we love so much. And we also remember those who were important in our lives, helping us understand how to lead a Christian life. But it's also important for us to celebrate the saints who are among us. You are the saints of God. Now, you might think that I'm attributing too much to you. But if you sometime in the week ahead would go and look at the first letter to the Corinthians and the second. And in the beginning of both of those letters, Paul addresses the community as the saints. People set aside for the work of God, followers of Jesus. And yet, what he addresses to them is their misbehavior, some of it scandalous. These were people who were not perfect, just as we are not perfect, but yet they were saints of God. And so one of the things that I think we need to draw on this day is a prayer that says, may I become evermore a saint of God. May I be an instrument of God's love and of God's grace in the world around me. Today, we also have the privilege of baptizing Charles. And in doing so, he becomes the newest saint in God's kingdom. We welcome him into the company of the saints. And we pray that his life may be a shining expression of God's grace in the world as he grows in love and in faith with a loving family. I want to end this with the benediction that's given at the end of the graveside service. But it's also the benediction that we give every Easter Sunday. That is, every Sunday in the Easter season after the Eucharist. 
And I think it says what I'm trying to say in this sermon, to communicate to us what it means to be the saints of God. The God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do God's will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in God's sight. May God bless each one of you saints this All Saints Sunday. Amen.